Welcome to the Home Church Podcast. My name's Kenny, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Home Church, and we gather in Maiden, North Carolina. We're so glad you tuned in to today's episode, and we hope that this episode will help encourage you and inspire you as you continue to follow Jesus step by step. Well, uh, hey, good morning, and welcome to Home Church. Again, my name's Kenny, and I serve as the lead pastor. And uh, man, we've been walking through a series called House of Hope. Uh, where we've been uh, walking through the, the faith chapter of Hebrews chapter 11 and taking a look and breaking it down verse by verse and, and looking at the hope that's found in Scripture. And uh, it's been a great series. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Josue Rodriguez came and preached. And I want to quickly give you guys a quick heads up. We took a love offering up for, uh, for Casa Vive Church. I want to encourage you that you guys were generous and we were able to give over $1,000 to them. So I want to say thank you for your generosity in that. Um, and so today we have a really special guest. Um, I had a chance to meet Pastor Austin Smith a couple of years ago. Uh, he's the pastor of a, of a church in Rock Hill, and he's walked through a whole bunch of things. He's a life coach. He's a communicator. He, he teaches uh, organizational development uh, with a global ministry that's actually rooted right here, right outside of uh, Charlotte in Indian Land called the Inspiration Network. Uh, he is a chaplain for a, a, a pro basketball team. He's got a beautiful wife and two incredible boys. And so home church today is going to be real good, I'm telling you, all right? So I want you to lean in, I want you to holler back, and I want you to get on your feet and help me give a home church welcome to Pastor Austin Smith. Let's go. Come on, home church. Well, what's going on, everyone? How are y'all doing? Good, good. He said, you're so nice, man. You're so nice. Listen, um, I live by a principle that says gratitude is never quiet. And um, whenever someone does something for you or you're thankful for them, you show appreciation through the fruit of your lips and you say thank you. I know I'm, I'm, I'm young, but I'm still a little old school. It's called manners. And I want to just take time to, to, to show some manners to, to Pastor Kenny. Can we give it up for your pastor this morning? Oh, I think we can do better than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, I just want to thank God for Katie, his wife, because he's not able to do what he does without her. Yeah, he, he's definitely clapping on that one, right? <laughs> I want to give it up for my wife, Bria, who's with me this morning. I'm glad she's able to travel with me. I think I preach a little bit better when she's with me, so I'm thankful for that. Let's get into the scripture for today. I'm really excited, and I hope you will lean into what God wants to speak to us today. Amen. If you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to be in the fifth and sixth verse. Hebrews chapter 11, verses five and six. When you got it, say, I got it. All right. If you say, if you, if you need like a couple of seconds, say, wait on me. All right. The, God, the people that said, I got it, tell the wait on me is to hurry up. All right. All right. Cool, cool. Well, Hebrews 11, five, chapter 11, verses five through six. NIV, it reads like this. It says, by faith, everybody say, by faith. Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He cannot be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, somebody say without faith, faith. it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. If we're going to tag a title to this text today, it's going to be called Hope for the Seeker, Hope for the Seeker. Turn to your neighbor really quick. We'll go old school and say, neighbor, there's hope for you today. Now, now some of you said it like you still need some coffee. So I needed you to find somebody who actually believes what you just said and and, and choose the right neighbor. So you might need to pick and turn around, but say, neighbor, there's hope 
for you today, for you today. Can we pray? Uh, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for who you are. God, I pray that you speak through me and clearly uh, in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, you're a better communicator than I am. So have your way. Speak to your people in Jesus' name. All those who believe and agree, say amen, amen, and amen. Home Church, you guys have been in a powerful series called The House of Hope, The House of Hope, where we say that this can be a place where people can find hope. And I think that's important. I think that's encouraging because if you're like me, I'm a PK, um, so I've been to a lot of churches, and it can be very awkward because you don't know what's going to happen in some churches when you attend. Can I get one amen? Uh, but hopefully this morning when you come here, you can understand and see that there's hope for you today. And, and the truth be told, no matter who you are in this room, you are seeking something. You are seeking something. Um, I believe that this word seek is important. It's going to be vital to our conversation today. I'll also say this, that where there is no definition, we open up a door for disorder. Definition gives us clarity. Definition gives us structure. Definition gives us a framework, a foundation which we can build upon. So I want to create definition around this word seek. Everybody say seek. That word seek literally means, if you're taking notes, it means to search out. It means to crave. That has to do with your appetite. It means to demand that goes with your desires. Watch this. It also means to worship. It means to require. It means to seek after carefully and diligently, which deals with intentionality. So no matter who you are in this room, some of you might be struggling emotionally. You're seeking something. You might be seeking healing. You might be seeking clarity. You might be seeking closure. For some of us in the room, we're struggling maybe financially or on the other side of the seesaw, you might be making the most money you've ever made in your entire life, but I still guarantee you you're seeking something. Because the truth is, you might be seeking answers, relief, and breakthrough. Well, Pastor A, you just said that I'm making the most money I've ever made in my entire life. Yes, but you still need answers, breakthrough, and relief. Why? Because just because you have the payment in your account doesn't mean you have peace in your heart. So, so, so you're seeking something, no matter your race, no matter your ethnicities, no matter your social economical background, no matter your political affiliation, no matter the denomination you grew up in, whether you grew up Pentecostal, Baptist, Baptist Pentecostal, Lutheran, uh, Methodist, whatever, you are seeking something. You're seeking something. You're, you're, you're searching out for something. You're, you're craving something. You're demanding something. You're requiring something. You're carefully and diligently looking for something. And here's the one thing that we can't forget this morning, ladies and gentlemen. You're worshiping something. You're worshiping something. Uh, Will Smith will call that something the pursuit of happiness. And, and, and this, this pursuit of happiness, I would even dare to say, not a totality, not a, a total, but, but sometimes in church, we can, pre, we can present, excuse me, the same thing, that if I just follow Jesus and he would make my life perfect and I'll have no worries and I'll just get whatever I pray for and I'll just, you know, I'm following God, I'm seeking after him and he just gives me what I want and, and I have breaking news. Lean in real quick. That's a lie. It's a lie because Jesus did not come to make you happy. He came that you may have life and life more abundantly. The way that we get life is finding that he is indeed the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Notice, notice I didn't say a way because there's many ways in the world, but he is the way. When I follow that way, I, the way, I find that there is truth, and not just a subjective truth, a truth that I can stand on. On, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is what? It's sinking sand. So I find the truth, and in the truth, I find life and life more abundantly. And the life that I have is because he saved my soul. He saved my soul. He saved my soul. Here's the thing about this pursuit of happiness, because many of you are pursuing something in this room, but I want to warn you and give you a warning. Can I give you a warning? I was going to do it anyways. Um, happiness is predicated upon what happens to you. It's circumstantial. 
It's temporary, it's temporal, but joy remains when happiness is nowhere to be found. Joy, I like to say like this for my note takers, joy is a posture of gratitude that I choose to dwell in no matter the space or the season of my life. You're going to need that for your Tuesday. Joy is a posture of gratitude that I choose to dwell in no matter the space or the season of my life. Joy, a posture, meaning it's a position that I have. It's a posture that posture is important because everybody sit up for me real quick. You notice the difference when you sit up, you, you feel it in your spine because your, your spine, your alignment, it affects everything in your body. It's a posture. Watch this. It's a posture of gratitude. Gratitude helps to shift my perspective to see how God sees. Things can be going wrong. Things can be a little cloudy. But what, what gratitude does, it gives me a, a sense of clarity to clear the cloudiness to see how he sees. A posture of gratitude, gratitude that I choose to dwell in, I make a decision no matter the space or the season of my life. We used to say like this, this joy that I had, the world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. So no matter what I see, no matter what I feel, I still have joy. Is there anybody in the room that has joy this morning? I have joy. Now, now many of you know this. You're like, I already knew this, because you, you know everything. You have more degrees than, than a thermometer, so there's nothing else I can tell you, right? But just in case, just in case, just in case that I'm wrong um, or that I'm right, we still find ourselves seeking and searching for things that are empty. We know this cognitively. We know these things. We know scripture. We know we've we've listened to a thousand sermons, but yet we still seem to do the same thing. And what we know about insanity, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Uh, Thomas Merton, Pastor Kenny, he says it like this, that people spend their whole lives climbing the ladder of success only to find when they reach the top, oh my goodness, I put my ladder against the wrong wall. Is that you this morning? Climbing a proverbial ladder, but only to come to a, a, a glimpse to see, oh, wait, there doesn't look like there. I know I pray for the job and I wanted God to just get me out of this place. And I finally got there and it doesn't look like there. God, I just can't wait to get married because life will be a lot better and, and, and life will be perfect when I get married. Can I get any, any married people say amen? Oh, no. Wait, wait, wait. Don't, don't get in trouble now. Because, because, again, there doesn't look like there once you arrive there. And for many of us, we put this effort and intentionality into things to only get to the top and realize that it's not what I thought it was going to be. The problem isn't with you seeking. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not implying that. What we need to do is we need to see why we're seeking, what we're seeking. And the tension comes when we have to examine that because, again, the world will give you a definition of success. The world will give you a definition of what you should pursue and say that, hey, success is based upon these metrics. Success is based upon how much money you make. Success is based upon what Instagram says. Success is based upon what TikTok says. Success is upon if my children uh, seem like they have some sense and and we have a nice family picture on Facebook. Success is based upon these metrics. But I, I don't think that's true. Why? Because your Bible says in Romans 12 that do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed, what? By the renewing of your of your mind. That word renew literally means to renovate. It means to tear down. When you renovate something, that means you literally have to tear down to get to the root. And maybe sometimes you have to tear down what you thought to be true in order to get to the foundation to see what's really there and make sure we build upon the right foundation. So that's what I want to do today. I want to build upon this foundation. And we're talking about the word seek. Everybody say seek. You know, with this series, we have the Hall of Faith. And and there's different uh, individuals that we are all familiar with. We, We have... Uh, Abraham, we have Jacob, we have Joseph. Like these are guys that we kind of know throughout the Bible. And we're walking through the Hall of Faith, having a little field trip. And all of a sudden we see a picture of this guy named Enoch. Everybody say Enoch. 
Now, I'm looking at the, the picture. I'm like, hey, how, how did he get in here? Because I've never heard of him. For some of you in this room, you probably have never heard of Enoch as well. He's only mentioned in Genesis, Hebrews, and Jude. But we have to understand, since he is, he is significant because he's mentioned in the Bible, one, God has taken him up. He does not experience death. There's only two people in the Bible who this has happened, Enoch and Elijah. But then also, he's in the Hall of Faith, so he is significant. I want to give us context this morning to who he is, why it matters, and what it means to you. Can I do that before we get into the content? Okay, cool. I think context is important. So let's just walk with me really quick. We, we are in Genesis. Creation has been established. God has made uh, the entire universe, everything, in six days. It only took him six days. He decides to chill up, put his feet up on the seventh day, and, and relax because that gives us a model of what we should do. This is for all my workaholics. You need a day of rest. Oh, it's quiet in here. I lost all my amens. I lost all my amens. So, so creation has been established, and then things are, things are rocking, things are rolling, but all of a sudden, sin has now entered the picture because Adam and Eve has sought something. They look, watch this, they seek something outside of what they've already had in God. And anytime you seek something outside of God, the byproduct of that is going to be sin. And sin, what sin does, it throws off our eternal rhythm, our alignment with God, and now we have a, a Houston, we, we, we have a problem. We see this problem in the lives of Cain and Abel. Pastor Kenny did a phenomenal job last week. Can we give it for Pastor Kenny? That was a phenomenal job talking about hope for the rejected, right? And, and we see this in the lives of Cain and Abel. And, 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 and the first ever human um, in human history, we have a murder. And this is the byproduct of sin. And what we'll see, and there's a... There's a in Genesis 4 and Genesis 5, there's a lot of uh, uh, genealogy when it comes to Adam, and it talks about the sons, and this guy was born, and he lived for 700 years, and then he died and had a child, and I mean, they were living a long time, and it can seem very monotonous, right? Um, but it gets to Genesis 5.18, I want to get there, Genesis 5.18, you can just reference for your notes, but Genesis 5.18, it says, when Jared lived 162 years, my God, he became the father of Enoch. I mean, that's the great time to have kids, right? Uh, verse 19, after he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years. My goodness. And had other sons and daughters. So he said, I'll, I'll be fruitful and multiply all the years of my life, right? Um, so so that's, that's the first mention of Enoch. And then verse 21, it says, when Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. Enoch walked, watch this, this is in the Amplified version. It says, Enoch walked in habitual fellowship with God 300 years after the birth of Methuselah and had other sons and daughters. So all of the days of Enoch were 365 years. That's a long time. Verse 24 says, in reverent fear and obedience, Enoch walked with God. He was not found among men because God took him away to be home with him. Can we break this down just a little bit really quick? Because that's a lot to digest. My man Enoch was 65 years old. Decides, you know what? I'm going to have a child. And when he has this child named Methuselah, something changes in his life, Pastor Kenny, that causes him to see and maybe be impacted by fatherhood to change his perspective of maybe the father that he has in God. This is important because, again, he has lived 65 years. He's done life a certain way. He's had a certain rhythm. He's had certain habits. He's had certain disciplines. But all of a sudden, after the birth of his child, his life has changed forever. 
And now we see that he walks in habitual fellowship with God, meaning that it's a part of his habit. It's a part of his rhythm. But one thing I, I see with this, because, again, fatherhood changes you. Any, any fathers in hood? Yeah, like when you have a son, when you have a child, it changes the viewpoint of how you see things. And one thing that it changes is how you see God. And I say it like this. How you see God is often how you see yourself. And how you see yourself is how you often treat people. They don't believe me, so I got to make this plain for you. If you see God as critical and looking at you that you can never get it right, oftentimes, I'm just going to speak about myself, then you'll see yourself and you'll be very critical on yourself. I can never get it right. I'm always performing, right? And then what that does is I tend to project that criticism onto other people because I can't get things perfect, so I, I, I try to put the pressure on other people. Okay, if I see God in a loving way as he's supposed to be, then I can receive that love that he has for me. And I receive that love for myself. But I don't just hold on to that love. I love my neighbor as I love my myself. How you see God matters, everyone. And and what we see here is, again, he's walking in habitual fellowship with this this God of the universe. It says habitual means to be uh, regularly is repeatedly is doing or practicing something or acting in the same manner as having the nature of habit, atomic habits. It's, 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 it's choosing to do the same thing over and over again. Over and over again. Over and over again. Y'all getting aggravated. I'm going to do it one more time. Over and over again. Because here's the thing. We, we get bored with the, the normal because... We, we, we say, like, it's, it's, it's nothing new. Like, I need something new. It's, it's just too regular. It's too regular. But I want to give you encouragement that there's a miracle in the mundane. Yeah. And sometimes we miss that because we're on a rush to go to what's next. Yeah. And you can't really appreciate what's next until you have settled in what's now. Mm-hmm. And here's the truth right here. Um, a lot of times we get bored with seeking God in the mundane because our seek is contingent on the yes of God. God, if you do it, then I'll say yes. But I want to just warn you that if your seek is contingent on the yes of God, your seek is shallow. If my seek is contingent upon what God does for me, then I have a shallow seek because it's temporal based upon what he does. I appreciate what God does with his hand, Pastor Kenny, but I'm more, I'm more infatuated and I'm more, I want to be more intimate with who he is because what he does with his hands changes in a season. But if I'm always fixated what he does with his hand and he switches things up, then I'll be confused and think that God changes. No, he doesn't change. He never can change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's consistent. But what happens is sometimes he switches it up to show you a different side of who he is so that way you're not familiar for what was. If my seek is contingent upon the yes of God, then my seek is shallow. So we see with Enoch, there's this walk that he has with him in his relationship. It's a part of his rhythm, even though his ancestors had turned off the rhythm because of sin. This has to be some type of seek, Pastor Kenny. It says, uh, again, Enoch's name means dedicated. It means trained. It means disciplined. So we can say that Enoch, he was dedicated to walk with God. He was trained to walk with God. He was disciplined to walk with God. And this can only come from a place called faith. Now, many of us in the room, we hear this and like, oh man, this sounds really good. Like, you know, I'm the house of hope, you know, uh, walking the hope for the seeker, you know, I'm gonna be like Enoch starting, starting tomorrow. I'm waking up at four o'clock. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna seek the Lord. I'm gonna read three chapters of scripture. I'm gonna have a prayer walk before I make breakfast with my, for my children. And then after I take them to school, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna send 50 text messages saying how I'm praying for you. I'm gonna do all these things. I'm gonna be super Christian for today. Here's the problem with that though. One, God is not pleased with your performance. Two, you can never see it in your behaviors before you see it in your beliefs. You'll never live beyond your belief. 
You'll never live beyond your belief. Let me give you Bible and not my opinion. Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Uh, the Amplified says the conviction of their reality, faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses, which tells me that this is not a feeling. It's a posture of belief. So, so there's a gap. Let's just say that that screen over there is what God has said for my life. But this is where I am. This is where I am, but this is what he said. And oftentimes I can see what he said and I can hear what he said, but this is where I am. So I'm more infatuated and more fixated on what I see instead of what he said. Now we have a gap here and what fills in that gap, it can't be filled with effort. It has to be filled by faith. Before we get to, well, without faith, you know, you, know, you got to show some actions. Without, you know, if I don't have any actions and my faith is dead, yeah, I believe that, cool, but it starts in a place of belief because my belief will determine my behaviors. So, so we see this in Scripture giving you an understanding of this definition of faith. Hebrews 11.3 tells us in the Amplified Version, I love this definition, um, it says that by faith, that is with an inherent trust, and an enduring confidence in the power and the wisdom and the goodness of God. And it goes on to say that we know that the world was framed by the word of God. But I want to focus on that definition of faith. It says with an inherent trust. That word inherent means permanent. It means that it cannot be separated. No matter what comes, what goes, I am standing still because I know who, he, who God is. Nothing can pull me in one direction, not what social media says, not what my family says, not what coworkers says. I am, I am certain, I'm sure of who he is. It's an inherent trust. I have relied not on my own understanding. I'm not leaning onto my own understanding, but in all my ways, I acknowledge him and he can direct my path. But you won't lean on anybody you don't trust. It's an inherent trust. Watch this. It's an enduring confidence. Confidence that's not, not wavering, confidence that's, that's durable, that keeps going. Come on, Energizer Bunny. It keeps going and going and going and going. When I don't feel like it, it keeps going. When I can't see what he's doing, it keeps going. When I, when I don't understand it, if, I don't even know if I believe what he says. It keeps going. It keeps going. It keeps going. It's enduring. It's enduring. And sometimes, family and friends, I think we just give up too easily. I know life is hard. I know, I know sometimes life be lifing, but either God is still God or he's not. I know that the weight of the world seems to be on your shoulders this morning, but I promise he, he holds the, the world in his hands. Like, he, he, he's still God. And it says in the confidence in the power, what he does with his hand. Wisdom, who he is, that's his heart. And then we just go old school, in the goodness of God. I just believe still that God is still good. Is there anybody in the room that agrees with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so. We, we give you this breakdown of who Enoch was and, and kind of how he had communion with God. And I tell you a little bit about faith to get us to our focal scripture of Hebrews 11, 5 and 6. And it says, by faith, everybody say by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away for before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. So God has this, 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 um, this ideal that says, hey, this man Enoch is, is so in love with me. There's so much communion with, with me and him that we're just going to skip to the good part. Go ahead and come home with me. All right. We, we, you don't even worry about death. I got you. Like, just, just come home with me. And many of us as well would go ahead and try to skip to the good part to try to see what are the things I can do to please God based upon my performance. But like I told you earlier, God is not pleased with your performance. Your performance is not enough. Even on your best day of being a Christian, it's still your worst day. It's still not enough. Let me give you Bible and not my opinion. He, uh, Isaiah 64 says that our righteousness is as, as filthy rags. 
It says filthy rags, meaning that, and I don't want to get too graphic, but that in that culture, filthy rags was 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 um, referencing menstruation blood, almost like you were trying to wash yourself in that type of uh, type of blood to present yourself as faultless, and that's what it looks like when you try to present yourself by your performance. So again, it cannot be by our performance. Then what what is the hope for the seeker? How can I please God? on this path of purpose. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure out how to be a mom. I'm trying to figure out how to be a dad. I'm trying to run a business. I'm trying to show the work on time. I'm trying not to cuss anybody out at work. Oh, y'all want to be honest in here. Because the truth is, if you can't be honest, you can't, you can't get the healing that you need. So we have to be honest. It's okay to be honest in church. And, and, and we were trying to figure out what is this hope? Well, the hope is only found in faith. Again, Romans 14, 23, I have a reference scripture it says, but whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, but because their eating is not from faith. But here's a highlight right here. It says, everything that does not come from faith is sin. So there, be, there can be things that you're doing to show effort to God to try to please him, but it's not even done in faith. So you might as well keep that. Because there's a lot of people that you see on the outward appearance, you see on social media, you're like, oh, man, they're doing so many things for God. But you also don't know their motives. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the, he looks at the heart. So, so we have to figure out, okay, how do I walk by faith? Uh, what does this look like? Well, verse 6, Hebrews 11, it says, and without faith, it is impossible. Everybody say impossible. impossible. Everybody say impossible. impossible. Now, impossible in the Hebrew means impossible. <laughs> impossible in the Greek, it means impossible. Impossible at Burger King? Now, I don't know. They say it's impossible. But, but anyways, <laughs> impossible means impossible. So in the Amplified Version says, but without faith, it is impossible. Watch this. It says impossible to walk with God and please him. So it's impossible to walk with God and please him for whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him. So this tells me, write this down, that it's impossible to seek God if I'm first not walking with him. But first, I can't walk with him if I'm walking with my own sight. So how do I walk with with God? Well, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, you already know the scripture, we walk by faith and not by. I'm only giving you what the scripture says. That word walk, it literally means to follow as a companion. It means to go with. It means to be occupied with. It means to live with. So I'm, I'm, I'm following God as a companion by faith. And although I don't know where he's taking me this year, this year has not looked like what I thought it was gonna be, I still trust the one who said come. I still trust him because he's never, he's never left me, he's never forsaken me, and even when I haven't fully understand it, I still believe that he's good with his word. I'm walking with him as a companion. I'm going with God. I'm, I'm, I'm being occupied with God. I'm consumed with him. I'm seeking him. I'm craving him. I'm desiring him. I'm demanding him. I'm walking with him by, by faith. I want to give you just three steps so that way you don't think this is just a TED talk and just like, oh, this sounds really good in theory, but... I got to live life, not even on tomorrow, on Monday. Like, life is going to be meeting me when I get in my car. And I hear you, preacher, you're sounding really good. You're using cool quotes and all this stuff. But give me something that works on my Tuesday. Because life is hard right now. And I know you're talking about seeking God, but I can't even, I can't even keep my head straight right now because I got too many thoughts that are rattling around my mind. I'm so glad you asked. I want to give you three steps for the seeker. And these are steps that are, I believe will work not only and how you seek God and how you seek purpose for, for your life. But I think this will also give you some indications on what might be some resistance or opposition on why it's, it's a struggle for you to seek him. Step one, and these are all going to be in the form of questions. Step one, I want to ask you this question. What has your sight? What has your sight? 
I strongly believe that your seek starts with your sight. If, we, if we're being very literal, you can't spell the word seek without see. Like you have to be able to start with your sight. And I say it like this, your values give you your vision. Your values give you your vision. I'm gonna say it one more time for the people in the back. Your values give you your vision. Anybody say they, they value their family and their marriage? Anybody show of hands? Cool, it's okay to be, yeah, we, uh, please put your hand up. So if you say you value your marriage and your family, then you'll prioritize your schedule. Ah. Because a lot of things we say we value or our core values for us are only desire values. But it doesn't become a core until you make a decision. And when I say I value my family, I prioritize my schedule and I won't put a meeting at the same time my son has a soccer game. Oh, is, this, is this too practical? Is this too, is too like, like, because if it only works in here and it doesn't work out there, I don't know if it actually works. If I value my marriage at dinner time, I'm not on my phone. I'm with my wife and I'm engaging in conversation. Ask me how I know. I've learned the hard way. I've only been married seven years, but I've, I've learned the hard way. If I value my health, anybody value your health? Have you gone to the gym? The hands are, ooh, pastor, hey, don't bring him back. Because, again, if I value my health, I'll go to the gym. But if I don't see it in my belief first, I'll never see it in my behaviors. Number, the other one is, do you value God's will for your life? You say, oh, yeah, I, I, I'll seek the Lord of all my heart, you know, in all my ways. And knowledge him and he'll direct my path. Yeah, like we, we, we know what to say by scripture, but, but with your actions, because it says, if, if I seek his way, and what is his way is the king's way. Matthew 6.33 gives us this, this, this blueprint. And it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Now, we want all these things to be added to us, and then we'll just seek him after. And here's the thing about seeking God. It's not just the first 15 minutes of your day. Well, I had devotion. I had coffee. I was playing Maverick music, and I just felt goosebumps. And, ooh, I just sought the Lord this morning. Um, that, that's, not, that's not seeking the Lord. That can be a part of it. But seeking God is, is in every aspect of your day. God, what, what do you want from me today? I give you full control. And that's going to be a cuss word for some of us because we like control too much. We want to hold on when God says, hey, I need that from you. Let that go. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. But here's the truth. God knows better than you. He's been there before. He's alpha and omega in the beginning and the end. And he sits with us in the middle. So that's encouragement to know that he knows more than us and that we should probably lean into that. Again, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these and his righteousness and all these things will be added to us. Because there's a way that seems right. Proverbs says there's a way that seemeth right, but it leads to destruction. And I just want you to understand when it comes to prioritizing um, the the king's way, it's prioritizing his way for my life. It means that I give up my plans because his way is better for me. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. I know I'm giving you a lot of scriptures, but I want to make sure that this really resonates with you. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. It says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. That's encouraging because I have some crazy thoughts. And my ways are, are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. What has your sight? The next thing we need to examine is, and the scripture just tells us, what has your thoughts? What has your thoughts? Because oftentimes, um, yeah, point number two, what has, what has your thoughts? Oftentimes, the tension or the opposition that you feel is not external. It's not because of your coworker who's crazy. It's not even because of your kids or your crazy family members. No, Oftentimes, the battle is the battlefield in your mind. 
It's in your mind. And, and a lot of times it's in our mind and it determines how we see God and how we experience him as well. I'll give you a couple of scriptures to help us when, we, when we're talking about seeking in our thoughts. Colossians 3, verses 2. Amplified version says, set your mind and keep focus. Look at the language. It says habitually, a part of your habit, on the things above, the heavenly things, not on things that are on earth, which have temporal value. Because sometimes the temporal value things will have us in a conundrum, and we don't know what we actually believe because we allow social media and the metrics and what people are saying to determine. And now I'm thinking about Target. I'm thinking about my grocery list. I'm thinking about if God loves me. I'm thinking, and I'm like a, a squirrel just chasing. Like, I, I, I seem and sound crazy. But one thing I want us to do this week, this week, can you do this for me this week? I want you to take your thoughts through TSA. Anybody been at the airport? TSA is some of the most intimidating people. Get your stuff on the, on the conveyor belt. Take your shoes off. Like, I'm like, oh, listen, do I have anything on me? I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm nervous. But what they're doing is they're examining the bag to make sure there's nothing in the bag that can compromise the flight as it goes to a higher altitude. And what we need to make sure is, as God has taken us on a pathway of purpose, the pathway that he has for us, we need to examine, are there things in my, in my mind, in my luggage, that, that will compromise the steps that he has for me? Because God can say something and tell me the step, but because I, I don't see him in the right way, I'll just stay stuck. The man at the pool of Bethesda, how long will you lay there? And Jesus says, do you want to be made well? It's not that there's not availability for you to be well. You might, you might not just see it or believe it. And now you're stuck. So how do we fix our thoughts? Philippians 4, 6 through 9, New Living Translation. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace, um, understand, excuse me, his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Verse eight, and now, dear brothers, one final thing, again, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely. This is how we take our thoughts to TSA. Is this, is this thought in alignment with what God's word says? And lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice. I love the scripture says that because sometimes we think it's a one-time thing. You got to keep doing over and over and over and over and over. I don't feel like it. And over and over and over. I don't see the results. And over and over and over again. Because you can't expect to put a seed in the ground and get an apple tree overnight. I put the seed in the ground and you have seed time, you have harvest, but then you also have irrigation. You have the water. You have to tend to it. You have to Put care for it. So it takes time. It's a process, okay? So it says, keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you've heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. So step one was, what has your sight? Step two, what has your what? What has your thoughts? The last one, and then we'll, we'll, we'll land here. Who has your heart? Notice I didn't say what, I said who. Um, because there's many things that I think that has our hearts, and that might be a part of the problem why we pursue what we pursue. But until the God who created you, the God who loves you, the God who sees you, has full control of your heart. This is for unbelievers. Watch this, but this is also for our, uh, us Christians as well. Because we can, we can know God cognitively. We can know him based upon scripture, but still not have given him full access to our heart in all areas. God, I trust you with my finances, but I don't know if I trust you with, 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 with my career and the, and the plans and, and, and who I should marry and what I should actually do. But I, I can trust you with my salvation, though. I can trust you with my salvation, but the, the, the actual things like being a dad, I got that, God. Like, you, I can handle that. You're, you just stay over there. But, but, but here's the thing, again, as Thomas Merton said earlier, 
we have this idea, but we spend our entire lives climbing this proverbial ladder only to get to the top and realize that, hey, maybe I've put this against the wrong wall. I want to give you a scripture that, that has been messing me up lately. It's Psalms 37, verses 4 and 5. It says, take the light in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. Now, we think this means that God just gives me what I want. I just take the light in him. He just gives me what I want because that's what it works because it's the pursuit of happiness and he just gives me what I want because I'm a spoiled child and I just get what I want. But that's not how it works. That word delight actually means to make soft. It's pliable, almost like clay that can easily be molded in the hands of the potter. So, so I'm, I'm, it also means to take delight. It means to take pleasure. So the pleasure is that I'm in his hands. The pleasure is that he's molding and shaping my desires. That there's things in my life that I thought I needed, but it was actually only things that I wanted. And the truth is there's some things I wanted that I didn't need and he didn't give it to me, but I'm I'm allowing him to shape me. I'm allowing him to mold me. I'm allowing him to ask me, why do you want what you want? What you gonna do with a million dollars? Why do you want that position? Have you still not healed from the rejection when you were younger and now you think a position is gonna make you who you think you are? but you don't even realize that you're, 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 you're fully accepted in me. Shaping and molding me. Shaping and molding me. And in this process, what happens is I don't seek him for an answer that I desire. I seek him as the answer that I desire. I have been on a journey myself, and it started on May 1st, and probably even a little bit before, May 1st of 2022, I was seeking answers, searching for answers, because I was standing before my congregation about to let them know that, hey, Pastor A is going to be stepping down. Don't get nervous. There wasn't any scandal. There wasn't any infidelity. Truth is, the only infidelity was that I was pursuing God's bride more than I was mine. This is his church, not mine. I have a family. I have a wife. And sometimes in ministry, pastors won't tell you this, but sometimes we, we, we love the work of ministry, um, but we forget the one that, that, that really matters first, and it starts at home. Because I can't be effective here if I'm not effective here. I got a word for everybody else, but I can't talk to my wife. Make it make sense. And, and what happens was I, 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 I didn't have a next. I didn't have any backup plans. All I had was a word, it's time to shift. And what God would do is he would shift me from my place of comfort, the place of, of a ministry that I've always known, the context and the way I've always known ministry, and taking me to a place called the unknown to see what it really means to seek him to seek him for him, not the things that he can do for me, but to seek him for him. Since, since the transition, life has been really good. God has breathed on our, our family. Um, we, we, we have moved into a new house this year. I've, I've gotten a new job that I believe that was tailor-made for me doing what I get to do just in a different place. Um, as Pastor Kenny says, I get to, to talk with professional athletes and mentor them and, and advise them. And, and I almost get to shepherd in different places. And those things are really cool, I promise but they're still empty. Bought a new house, got more square footage, but there was still a void in my heart when I got got there. Oh man, I thought this was gonna fix it. No, 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 those things are easy for God. But, 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 But what I realized was that I was still searching, craving, demanding, worshiping, requiring, and seeking after, after something. And throughout this process, that's something that I have found is, is him. He is the reward. 
You want to know what the hope for the seeker is? You, you've been waiting for me like, to give you like, okay, what? Give me the hope. Give me the hope. He, he, he is the hope. He is the reward. He's a, he's a reward of those who diligently seek him. And we have sometimes told you guys that if you just seek him, he'll give you what you want. But that's not always true. And the, the very thing that you want and the, actually the very thing that you need is actually him. Because if he gives me the stuff and I don't have him, then I don't really have anything at all. And what I've, what I've seen in this journey is that what if success is pursue a success? What if success means getting rid of my definition and accepting what God's definition of success is for me? But that's only found in seeking. And sometimes when you seek him, you don't get an answer immediately. Sometimes when you seek him, you don't hear anything and you feel like you're crazy. And God, did I make a mistake? Did I give up too quick? And, 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 and should I did this? Should I did that? And, and then I'm, I'm questioning myself. I'm questioning my identity. But, but, but what I've found is He's not intimidated by my emotions and he's not fragile. He can handle every aspect of me. And in this process, there's been questions that he's asking me. And one of the questions is, are you willing to leave everything you knew in order to walk into the unknown with me? When it comes to walking into the unknown and seeking him, that means you have to have a willingness to leave your comfort, the opinions of your friends and family, the desire to be understood, the framework that may have always worked for you in one season, but then God switches up and you're like, what are we doing? Even leaving the temptation to go back to what you knew because it worked and it was comfortable. And sometimes freedom feels foreign because all I knew was bondage. I wanna just encourage you as we stand right now and get ready to respond and give you hope as a seeker in this room today. You might be in this room and you, you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you're like, man, this, this Jesus guy sounds like very important. I kind of need him. Or you, maybe you've known God for a long time, but whoever you are in this room, hope that I want to give you today is God's plans are not inferior to yours. They're better. And many times the blessing of better is not more in your bank account. It's not more followers on TikTok and Instagram. It's not a bigger house. It's not a nicer car. It's, it's not even focused on this one day promised land. The better is knowing him and being known by him and following a pathway of purpose that is more about who you're becoming in him versus what you could ever build and do for him. The hope for the seeker this morning is that he is the reward. Now, is that gonna fix your life automatically right now? Probably not. But what I hope it does is it gives you a shift in your mindset to start to see what he sees. And you start to examine my sight. You start to examine your thoughts. But you also ask this question, who really has your heart? And if it is God who has your heart, and I hope it is, then you allow him to shape your heart, mold your heart like pliable clay. And allowing, as you delight in him, he gives you the desires of your heart. Some of the stuff that we're seeking, we don't even know what we, what we really want. And I pray today that you had a mindset shift, that you're challenged this morning to say, Lord, have I gotten it wrong? Have I gotten to this ladder of success and, and realized that, man, I'm on the wrong wall? Whoever it is this morning, I want to encourage you as we pray. And we're about to respond. I believe we have some communion. And the worship team is going to. Yeah, we have communion right here. Um, and you can come to the altar for prayer. Um, or you can just sit in solitude and just kind of reflect on what has my, what has my sight this morning? What has my thoughts? What, what, who has my heart? But this morning, I pray that this is a start for a, a, a new day of momentum on how you seek the Lord. You don't have to have it perfect. You don't have to have it figured out. One of my friends told me recently that the best, uh, the best ability 
is availability. That God is not looking for your perfection. He's looking for your availability. I don't know any scriptures like, like you just read off, but do you know that God loves you? Let's start there. And as we seek him this morning, as we seek him this week, God, I pray, Lord, for what you have spoken today. I pray, God, that these weren't just vain, empty words, but God, I pray that you are giving us language for our next by appreciation of what you're doing in the now. Lord, I pray right now for your people that you help us to see the right way. Help us with our sight today. Help us with our our thoughts today. Help us with our heart today. That we may seek you like Enoch in habitual fellowship with you, one day at a time, one moment at a time, one second at a time. God, we don't have this all figured out, but we know who does, and that's you. Help us to see, Lord, that it's not the things that you do for us that's the reward but the reward is indeed you. That's the hope today for the seeker. You are our reward. You are our promised land. It's in the name of Jesus we pray and believe. All those who agree say amen, amen, and amen. You can respond. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If there's anything that we can do to serve you or come alongside of you in your journey, please reach out. You can reach us at hello at myhomechurch.cc.